Hello, and welcome to the Turtle Tracks podcast. I am your audio engineer, Ian Williams. On this episode, our host, Brian Van Hooker, will be continuing his last Ronin interview series with script co-writer Tom Waltz. So without further ado, let's check it out. Yeah, so um, I guess to get started, I would love to hear uh, when uh, IDW first uh, heard about The Last Ronin, like when Kevin first brought it to you guys. You know what? It was actually right. We were, we were in the middle of our City at War arc, which was like from 90, issue 92-ish, I think, to 100. And we knew we were coming up on 100, and we had made a decision that I was going to stop writing the, the main book. We're probably, we're going to bring in Sophie Campbell. And, um, I, I was ready for the break at that point, I think after a hundred issues straight, but I was, you know, obviously not ready to go away from the turtles completely. And, uh, nor was Kevin. And we just, I was at his house one day and, and we were working on some of the stuff for 100. And he said, Hey, you know, what, what is the next plan? I go, you know, I, I don't know you know they're saying there's going to be something but we've just kind of got to figure out what that is you know we don't we didn't really have a specific plan beyond next turtle project that was kind of what it was um outside of the ongoing and kevin goes you know what and he's a huge archivist you know a pack rat extraordinaire very <laughs> organized pack rat by the way he is i wish i could be like that and so he keeps a lot of stuff from over the years and he goes i got this old outline that I worked with Peter back in 87, kind of like a future last Mirage story. He was want to check it out. Maybe there's something there. And, and so literally that was my first exposure. So I was at his house. I'm reading through it, you know, just even right away. And I, I was cracking up because one, it was good, but two, it was just so prescient. It blew my mind. Some of the stuff, Peter specifically, he, he's more of the science guy, you know, Kevin's more of the action heart guy and Peter yeah. was kind of the science guy. And some of the science he was predicting had come true. I mean, like, not just come true, like almost spot on to what he predicted, like flip phones and all these things that he was predicting back in 87, you oh, know, wow. it, not just that the technology would exist, you know, I'm sure people were, were, were postulating on some of that stuff outside of Peter, but just how he, the way he described how mainstream it was, how it was used like in everyday society, it just was like spot on, literally spot on. And I said, this is like Nostradamus or something. So I, I told Kevin, I go, I love this idea. I think we should do this. I go, the only thing is, kind of like Blade Runner now, you know, and, and we're in both, I'm a huge Blade Runner is my favorite thing. And, and I know Kevin's a huge fan too, but you know, 2019 has come and passed, yeah, you, know, it looks a little different. Uh, you know, so it's a little different, you know, so I told him some of the stuff that you guys have here, we, we're going to have to update. We're going to have to make a new future because that future already exists. So it won't feel very futuristic at sure. all, you know? And I said, so let's, let's, you know, kind of, push it forward and we and we and we were there's a lot of debate about like the the timeline because at first the, the initial purpose of this was to end mirage story this was going to be the last mirage story when kevin and i sat down that's what we were talking about oh, hey, we're just, we are going to do this this thing that is that last story in the mirage universe that being said as we sat down and started working on it it became its own thing it just on its own as we as we started throwing ideas out that we knew you know some were like could loosely maybe fit in Mirage and then some obviously just that didn't happen in Mirage. You know, that's, that, that's not happened anywhere, you know? So, so we were like, okay, we have to make a command decision. And so as we sat down to present it to IDW as the last Mirage story, we realized, no, this is just going to kind of be its own thing. So what we did was we said the easiest way to go about this is dark, dark night returns, which is obviously a huge inspiration 
you know, both Kevin and I are, are diehard fans of Frank Miller and, and, and his work, and especially in the Dark Knight stuff and Daredevil. And I said, you know, with Dark Knight, you know, it's kind of become its own universe now, in a, in a sense. I said, it's got, you know, sequels and all that. I go, but at the time, it really was just kind of like this generic story that could kind of fit anywhere. You know, even, I, I think even like the, the, the new Batman is kind of like that in, in a lot of ways, the, the movie, where you kind of come in in the middle of stuff. And they just expect, hey fans, you know how why he's Batman. Yeah, let's, you know Batman. Let's, let's yeah. just see him do some Batman stuff. We don't need to see the origin again. Pick yeah. your or you know, pick your origin, pick the one that you like. This is just year two of him doing some Batman stuff, you know. Yeah. And and uh so that's kind of the approach we took. Then we said, okay, this is gonna be its own thing. And then as soon as we got into that mindset, then it just kind of really blew up in our head as far as like the potential for it. The the you know, the caveat being that's all great, but we've got to get this one done. You know, and as it turned out, it was a lot pretty hard struggle, but um, a lot longer than we expected. We didn't expect pandemics and all that. Yeah, all I was gonna say, there's some bad timing losing, there. Losing our first artist, you know, everything that kind of could have happened did happen. But in the end, um, kind of jumping ahead, we've always said, Kevin and I, everything has happened for a reason on this book. Even the delays, everything worked out the way it was supposed to. And I know that sounds weird, and, and some you know fans and retailers were waiting. For that thing to get in stores, probably don't want to hear that. But ultimately, for this first volume, we needed that time because, like I said, what started out as the Peter and Kevin final story be kind of kind of became that plus a Kevin and Tom new story in, sure. in a sense. And so, but it was also something that I think Kevin realized as we started working on it how important it was to him. You know, this was his grand opus, and he and I don't I think he knew it was important. And then when we started working on it, I think it really hit him. You know what what this was and what it what it could be. Let me, I'm gonna grab a dog. Out here. Sorry. Sorry about that. No, no, no worries. My wife just got home, so that's when the dog is bailing on me. <laughs> like, we don't like you anymore. Mom's home. <laughs> so, so yeah, so um, that. That was kind of, you know, the approach we had. So then that's when we took it to IDW and we, you know, kind of like I, like I did here, explained it as this could be the last Mirage thing. It could be its own thing. Um, we feel like it's going to become its own thing. We've even got ideas for some sequels already, oh, wow. you know, percolating in our head and, and just stuff, you know, that just comes out naturally when you're in the creative process. But things that we would say, this would be great, but it won't be, it doesn't fit here. But it could fit here, you know, if we ever got to this the other here. And, you know, right away, IDW was excited. Um, Nickelodeon was excited. But like I said, it just like right from the start, everybody was in. It, it started rolling and it started rolling, you know, smoothly. And 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 I think very, very, um, how, how's the best term? There weren't a lot of hurdles at first. Little did we know coming around the bend. Yeah. <laughs> There were a lot of them waiting for us. So, we had to get to those. So, so, like I said, the initial thing was an outline that became something more than that was to begin with, but maintaining the same, you know, spirit and, and, and of the original outline that then became a, a project that everybody was excited about. That then became a mission, literally, to sure. get done. You know, at one point it was just like, we just got to get this thing done. You know, we it, it's too important to us, too important to the fans. But, um, like I said, it started out as a little literally like dot matrix printer style outline that Kevin had some notes on sitting in a drawer somewhere. You know, I, I just says like speaking from my perspective, I mean, like I, I know some people, you know, I think we just have a culture that people can express how bent out of shape they are over everything. But like, 
I don't know, like who cares? It took too long. Like, right. Like you, you guys delivered a hell of a good story. Like it, it's, it's, and it doesn't, it's not going to matter in retrospect. I was talking to Bobby Kernow about this. He's like, you know, people make the point a lot that like Watchmen was late, but nobody knows that now who gives a right. shit. So, like, like, actually, it was like part of the legend, right? Yeah. I mean, even like dark Knight, all those kind of run late. It doesn't matter. Like, it, yeah, it, 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 like at the moment when you want to know a story. Okay. But like, in retrospect, you got the right story down. It delivered on every level. Like it's good, you know. Like, it's hard, and you know, for me, it's like um, it's funny. And, and Bobby, you know, was in that situation too for many years. It's tough for us sometimes because we're, if we're part of the creator process, you're like, I want this to be perfect, and you know, it's, we, yeah. we need the time we need. Then I'm on the IDW editorial side of things. <laughs> we got stockholders wondering what's going to happen this fiscal year. We've got retailers that said they wanted to have a signing on this day. Where's the book? You know, and so yeah. we're feeling like the, it, it's funny. It's, it's it's a different kind of pressure on that side, and I feel sure. it every day because right now I'm working on, a, on a, an event called Armageddon Game, and we have a, a excellent new uh, senior editor taking charge of Turtles named Charles Beecham. And Charles, you know, he's come in, and there was like there was a little bit of chaos because John Burnham or John Burnham, John Barber, who was our um, Editor-in-chief left right around the same time Bobby left. So there was just two big gaps at IDW. And so I kind of became Tom Bob, Bob jo- Johnny or oh, wow. whatever, I mean, Johnny Bob Tom or whatever you want to sure. call me. But Jeez. I was doing like kind of three jobs just because we were, you know, we needed to bring in some good people. Just there's always that gap, you know, when sure. you lose people kind of unexpectedly and then you're trying to bring in people to replace them. And so the worst editor for a writer is the, is the uh, writer, you know, it, it, that's just the case, you know. And I always feel like I'm a decent editor. I'm a good writer, I guess, but I also know you're only as good as the team around you, sure. both ways, you know. Yeah. And so I was kind of doing both, and and so a lot of the scheduling was just suffering as far as Armageddon game development and stuff like that, scripting, early outlining, because I was focusing on a lot of other books at IW as well, and just other you know personnel situations internally, you know, because there was just only just, I'm one of the last few old guys left, you know, from the the old IW, and so I, I know where all the bodies are buried. And people tend to come to me, the new people asking those questions. And, um, and you know, and, and I love doing that. I love being part of that, but it was affecting the, uh, you know, the output. And so it's one of those things where, where I was almost like yelling at myself. You know, I'm like, I'm the, the, me going, I need time to get this right. And then the editor and me going, but we need it tomorrow, Tom. Okay, Tom, I'm trying to get it done, Tom. You know, <laughs> so, so now we brought in Charles and and, uh, and we have an assistant editor, uh, Vanessa Real, and, and they've been awesome and they've taken over. I mean, just hit the ground running. And now I start to feel like, you know, you start to feel like this is this is the kind of stuff we need for these big events to happen. Sure. But it just goes to show you that, that you know, like you talk about Watchmen or, you know, Ronin or anything in between Dark Knights and now Armageddon game, just small things can derail it. You know, sure. yeah. and so, so it's, I always feel like when you see it at a big event like that and some writer or somebody will have their marquee name on there, that's just one name of many, oh, yeah. many people who make that happen, you know? And that's why I always say, you know, we get a lot of credit because we're on the creative side and maybe our names are on the books and stuff, but those books don't happen without a ton of people, you know, working behind the scenes to make it happen. And, and probably those people are more important in some ways in the creator and stuff. Cause of, you know, you can, you can have an idea, but other people got to get it out to the world, you know, sure. put it on paper, get it in trucks and all that. And um, I think that's, you know, that was one of the things where we worried, like you said, people won't remember, but in the middle of it, 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. what if we do get it done? And what if the ships get stuck? You know, it was always something new. Sure. You know, what if the next variant breaks out in this stupid pandemic? You just didn't know what was going to happen. So it was a huge relief when it was done. But you're right. I, I, I agree. Nobody's going to remember that ultimately, or that'll just be part of the legend of the of making it. But it it's also one of those things where it had to happen that way. It yeah. just it just did. Yeah. I mean, like, like you, you, it's crazy to think like. But yeah, like when, when, see, when did issue one release? I should know that off the top of my head. Christ. It was October, I think, wasn't it October 2020? September Okay, 20th. so really, you guys, how, my, I guess my question is, how far into it were you guys when, boom, the pandemic hit? Because it hit like a, like a bullet. <laughs> yeah, because the pandemic was, we were already early writing it. And, and I guess, actually, actually, this is interesting. In, it was, it was one of the M months, March or May. I think it was May. I actually got furloughed at IEW because at one point they just thought when Diamond stopped, everybody stopped. They thought, oh, this industry's oh, dead. Oh, right. You know, and, and everything just shut down. Yeah. You know, and so I got furloughed for a couple of weeks, you know, and, and we were already. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I might not be working at IEW as an editor anymore, but at least we still got this Ronin thing going on. But at that point, I knew we were having issues with, um, with with Andy, he had to had to leave the book. Andy Kuhn was the first artist came in, and so we were like, "What are we going to do? Are we going to just use his pages? Will IDW be willing to pay for, you know, another set of artists to come in? Who will those people be? We we need people who are fast, you know." And, and as it turned out, Kevin knew the Scorsa brothers, and that worked out great. But yeah, early on, right? I mean, the very beginning of the pandemic, when there was those early initial, I think what I call knee jerk shutdowns, everybody's yeah. like freaked out. We were we were affected by that, you know. I sure. me personally. Now in two weeks they call me back to IEW and we've been busier than we've ever been ever since. <laughs> so so much for the pandemic killing comics. It kind of right. had the opposite effect. So which was good and that was that was nice. But yeah, there was a couple of weeks there where I was thinking, this this might be it. You know, this the Ronan part. Like, I mean, the diamond new, news was crazy. Like in retrospect, you forget about it because there's a million headlines recovered. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. but like the public at large, I'm probably sure forgets about the diamond thing. But there was like a moment where it was like. Oh shit! What like Diamond owns the business? What do you do? Yeah, because because they were like, well, we can't distribute if nobody's going to run drive them. Nobody's you know, and then the ships were getting backed up and all that. And so honestly, there's been a sea change in distribution and printing. You know, ever since COVID started. I mean, one one of the things also with Ronan that was was something that we were worried about at the end is speaking of delays. It used to be, you know, I, I've been in this business since 2006. You know, in, in early days of IEW, if you have a book and it's it's due to the printer this week, right? And if you get it in this week, it's going to be in the stores this time. You know, if, if for whatever reason you're like, I can't, we're not going to make it this week. It'll be next week. And the printer will be like, all right, just send it next week. All that did was shift it maybe a week on sure. the back end. That doesn't happen anymore. Now okay. the printers are running low on paper. The paper is at a premium. And sure. especially like when they need to know it's big cuts, like, like Ronan, which were special cuts, right. you know, the book was a little bigger. They, they'll start to say, we need to know what day you're bringing this book sending this book to the printer because if you don't hit that day we've got people lined up that need that slot so you don't just get delayed a week let's say you get it in the next week it could compound on the back end the delay because then you know they're like we might not be able to eat you in next week you know a week delay on your end might be a three-week delay on our end you know the, and the printing side just because the paper is at such a premium and everybody's dealing with that right now i mean from my own personal experience we i was helping out on the godzilla Power Rangers crossover that we're doing. And I was working on that editorially. And we obviously working with Boom and Hasbro and Toho on that. And Boom dealing with the same thing. You know, the good folks at Boom that were that are helping us, you know, sure. on, on the Power Ranger side of things, they, they say the same thing. They're like, hey, can we get this out 
early this week because we got to try to get to the printer and we're like, we know we hear you, we know how it works. And, and, and luckily, you know, a lot of the licensors like, like Hasbro and, and Toho, they've been really um, flexible as far as giving us rapid, you know, in, reviews and, and approvals faster than normal, you know, and, and they've always done that in the past, but now we're like asking it a lot, but they understand the sure. situation, you know, we're like, Absolutely. we don't, we don't want to do this, but if we don't get it to the printer tomorrow, then this whole, this book could be delayed three months, you know, four months. And we don't want to do that. Let me ask you, uh, you said that you noted the special size of Last Ronin. What was the, uh, I mean, I think I know, but what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, you know, just to match the original, the original Mirage number one. Yeah. And just kind of set it apart. But I think that was something that was, you know, like, 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 uh, like I said at the beginning, it really was locked in pretty hard to, to Mirage at the beginning. That was our mindset. So not just the story, but the, uh, the format, you know, was something that we kind of wanted to match and, and have it look good. And, and we even, thought they might not approve it, you know, cause it costs more, you know, it's a lot more paper. Sure. Um, and it's a special cut over at, you know, the press, but yeah, they, they went for it. Now a lot of fans, you know, we get mixed reactions. They, they like it, but then until they need to bag it. Special bags for this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I'm super curious about the details of this. Cause I, one thing I wanted to ask you about was the universe it's set in. Cause it does, it kind of is a nice catch-all. I mean, it probably mm-hmm. it probably isn't the 1987 universe, right? But it probably can fit in most universes. Like, I'm curious what roadblocks you hit creatively where it was like, okay, this isn't going to work in Mirage. You know what? I think the first one right away was was when we said there was um, Casey Marie because there was no Casey Marie in Mirage. Doesn't mean there couldn't have been one later, but it kind of kind of discounted, you know. Mirage stories like the shadow shadow story they had shadow Jones and, and, and stuff like that and so I think that was the first real well like well how are we gonna play this oh maybe we can get around this but then we, as soon as we said we want Hiroto to be Karai's son and Karai to be Splint uh, Shredder's daughter then and make this kind of a family story like a true family story um then it was it wasn't Mirage anymore because in, in the Mirage story, Karai was just another leader of the Foot Clan, but she was I don't believe she was ever related to to you know Shredder. Um, and then at that point, we we're like, okay, this is pretty loosey goosey, you know, as far as uh, canon is concerned. But it was still, you know, at that point, it was still kind of eh, close enough for sure. you know, unless it was real hardcore fans, maybe p- people wouldn't figure it out. But then it, just as we got going, we just realized there was just so much storytelling telling potential, you know, not just future stories but prequel stories. Sure. You know, and and then and we were just having so much fun with it that I, I said to Kevin, I said, "This feels like our like we're starting over." But it, you know, like we don't get that chance very often, and Kevin gets it many times. <laughs> you know, there's like a lot of times to start over with this property. And I said, "But this felt like to me, like you know, back when we started um, the, the IDW Turtles, sure. you know, that felt new and 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 fresh, and we were building something new. And and as we we're working on Ronan, instead of feeling like oh, we're dipping into something old." It, yeah. it never felt like that. I feel like this is a whole new story. You know, again, like the turtle story, the IDW story based on these past iterations that we can just kind of expand on and cherry pick. And, and then once we got really going, Kevin and I both realized this is, this is its own thing. And then, then we started seeing sales, which shocked everybody. You know, we knew, we knew going in, that was one of the things we knew going in, it would probably be popular. And we sure. had hoped it would be, we had hoped it would be, you know, something that might be evergreen, you know, like a wall, like a, I guess like a Watchmen or, you know, V for Vendetta or one of those books that's always on the shelf and you kind of always see it, you know what it is. But we didn't expect 
what happened. Not at all. Matter of fact, IW got blamed for like deliberately, you know, shorting the market to make it worthwhile. And it was that's not what happened. And, and, I, and I can see why people thought that. But we actually, all the years I worked at IW, IW's always been pretty conservative about print runs, right? I mean, literally, I, I can honestly say we've been very conservative about print runs, which would lead to second printings and third printings sometimes for something that was popular. Um, in the case of Last Ronin, it was the opposite. We actually were not conservative. We went way above what we would normally have printed extra based on pre-orders and the pre-orders were already really good you know and we had all those extra covers and all that but as soon as the numbers came in we realized even you know being liberal for once and not conservative in our estimate we didn't hit the number we didn't expect it so people were like oh my god they short sold us on purpose this is a you know and we're like no and nobody believed us of course you know and then half the websites run with their own you know, that's one thing I, I will say that does exist in this world is fake news because I see it so much about us. I mean, as unimportant as honestly, in the grand scheme of things, comic books and comic book writers are stories. I'll see things and I'll say, I was in that room, that's not what happened. <laughs> I, I see it all the time, especially in like the I can't even do the, the fan forums anymore because they turn oh. into just hate everything's just a toxic hate and anger and they don't okay. like anything and, and and i but i'll read like i'll read things and i'll be if they're not being awful to somebody that they've never met in their life or don't know and they can hide behind some some you know anonymous name tag that they use or whatever they yep. never use their real name then they they also you know they'll just say things like it's fact yep and you know i'll be like what <laughs> i was there and that didn't <laughs> happen nobody said that that's not what's going on you know i i don't know how many times i've heard in the last few years IW's on its last legs. This is it. And I'm like, uh, well, somebody better tell me because I've been busier than I've ever been. So I don't know. Sure. I don't see it, you know, and I just happened to work there. So maybe I have a little inside information. Other people don't. But um, yeah, it, it was definitely um, the, 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 the paper sizing thing was going back to that was a, a mirage kind of tie in. Sure. Um, and probably, honestly, the last like direct tie in at that point, because then we, sure. like I said, we started going in different directions story wise. I mean, even a thing is like, and not that whatever, but like even a thing like the bandana colors, like as much as I love the old Mirage all red, like it, it, those four colors have become part of the story. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. And that comes up a lot, you know? And it's, it's interesting that you say that because it actually came up, I was having a discussion with Sophie the other day about Armageddon game. Um, and we were talking about bandanas. Uh, there's there's some some mystery turtles that, that have been floating around. People saw it in the free comic book day and stuff with the white bandanas. That All that will be revealed in Armageddon game, um, probably not what people expect. But the thing is that that way back when we started the IDW one, I'll be honest with you, I never, I came into the Turtles a little later with my kids. So I actually came into the Turtles a little bit kind of the back end of Fred Wolf. And then I really liked my 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 youngest was watching the, um, the four, four kids version, which I love. I thought that I was know, absolutely I know, great. I know you're big on that. I talked to a lot yeah. of kids guys recently. I know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my favorite. I love this 2007 movie, the Kevin Monroe movie. I thought that thing was great. I, yeah. I enjoyed the hell out of it every time I watch it. Um, you know, and, and I liked it a lot of stuff from the area, the fast forward, even that was a lot of fun for me. You know, I just, that was kind of where I kind of was sort of more kind of paying attention, you know? Sure. Um, but it's funny. I never, I had never imagined I'd, the neutrinos are my favorite story because when my oldest was watching, I watched that hot rod kids from with him. And I was thinking, this is the goofiest thing. They're the worst. Characters. Seen, you know, the worst. But I was kind of like, but in my mind, 
yeah, you know, in a million years, never thinking I'd work on turtles, you know, sure. at that point, I remember thinking, but there is something kind of horrifying about this whole lot, you know, that they come from this planet that's always at war and they're sure. just trying to get yeah. away, you know, and be kids. And so that always stuck with me. So when I got a chance to do neutrinos, I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I digress. But yeah, we, we, um, what we're, we're talking about the, um, nah, I forgot what we're talking about. Me too. <laughs> oh, Mirage, the bandanas. I'm sorry. Oh, the bandanas. Yeah. So for me, yeah, that's, here's the reason I did that. Be- just like you said, I never, I came into the comics later and they were black and white and I never really paid attention. I didn't know they were all red. I never knew that until I started working on turtles, you know, because my experience kind of was later. And then I dove into the, the, the comics. Once I started wanting to write the comics themselves, then I got a little better feeling for that. Um, And, and then I realized on some of the covers, Oh yeah, they are all red. I never really paid attention, you know? And so, so, I know the hardcore fans kind of pine for that sometimes, and there's some kind of nostalgia to that. But but let's be honest, that's the the that's going to be a minority of of people who are paying attention to turtles in this world. It's just going to be. I mean, does it? It's not a bad thing to say that. I'm just saying, very most people know them with the four colors. Yes, that's just a fact, and that's just how it's evolved over the years. And to me, you ignore that at your own risk because people would be saying, "Why are they all?" What people nowadays would be saying is, "Why are they all looking like rats?" Why do they all like rap? Oh yeah, and you know, I mean, like, I, like I, 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 I'm a pretty hardcore fan, right? Like, I, yeah. the, <laughs> I, the, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it, it sometimes, and I love the Mirage books. You look back, it's hard to tell who's who. So, like, simply coloring right. the mask has become, and like, and over the years, more humor has been brought into the books, right? So, like, yeah. as opposed to the Mirage story. So, like, to like, yes, I love the Mirage books. But like to ignore the thirty years that have come since then—that's that's crazy. And, and, and go back and look at the Mirage books. I mean, Kevin, be the first one to say this. Over the years, and especially with the Fred Wolf influence, you know, let's not ignore that. The, you know, it's like dog wag tail wag dog. You know, that's yes. just what happened over time. It just does with these properties. You, you know, look at Batman. Look how influential Dark Knight is on how people approach Batman. He's gritty. He's dark and talk. You know, but that's that's pretty far cry from Adam West. Oh yeah. You know. You know. What I mean, it's like. Things change and, and the zeitgeist changes. Yeah. But the thing is that with the turtles, you go back and look at some of the early Mirage stuff. And I really noticed this because I was doing a lot of editing, like on the color classics and, and stuff like that. Sure. Is unless you're seeing their weapons, a lot of they talk a lot of their, their mannerisms and, voice and their, the way they speak was very similar. Yeah. You know, and so it would be like, like you said, you're like, I'm not sure who's saying this. Yeah, you know, it, it could, even characterization. Like, I, I don't think Mikey found his voice until Townsend Coleman. No, no, and it was later on when you you, you had to develop. Yeah. But as a writer, one of the things that I was always worried about early on is like, how do you tell these guys apart unless you've seen their weapons? Yeah, it's the bandanas, you know. Yeah. And so, but for me, I didn't want to just say it was on them and be, just because that's the way things are, right? That's how yeah. people know now. I, everything I've done, I've always said I wanted to make sense, though. You know, yeah. like I wanted it to make sense. I love the Mirage stuff. I love the old stuff, but I laugh so hard. I always tell Kevin, I laugh so hard that the rats in the cage learning how to. Oh, you know, okay. you know, you know. I, I said it was. Funny I did I just say this? And I, I, and this isn't like the IDW verse is 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 the very close number two, right? My favorite turtle verse, and I'm completely digressing here, is that first movie. I love that movie. It is to me as close to perfection as you can get. But Christ, there's that one moment I cannot take seriously, and that's that little puppet rat doing karate in that cage. I cannot <laughs> swallow it. I'm sorry. I much prefer the story where Splinter's a guy first, just because, like, how the hell's that rat learning ninja moves? I don't buy it. And yeah. it's the one moment I'm like, ugh. And then when that was the thing, it was like, there was, <laughs> we had, like, 
and we and we had like there's always like directives too. We needed to get we didn't have time to have baby turtles in our in our universe. That, that wasn't a plan. <laughs> Nickelodeon didn't want that. They wanted us to get to the turtles. So like that was kind of actually a, a directive from Nickelodeon early on was when you first in our first issue where they're fighting right away. You see them fighting with Old Hob and them. It was mm-hmm. like they want us. They wanted to see the turtles right away, sure. as they are now. Then build the story, you know. So we were jumping around chronologically, but I, I, I the reincarnation thing was always in my head, even before I knew okay. I was going to write turtles. It was just like if right. I did it, I would make them reincarnated, and it would make sense why they would know how to do this. And if they had to be oh, big later, it would make sense how they would already have teenage kind of mentality, yeah. you know. Uh, although feudal Japan teenagers are far cry from New York teenagers, but there's you know, yeah. We, we, we gotta give some leeway, you know, creatively, but <laughs> but yeah. So for me, the bandanas that that was like a, a thing early on because Nickelodeon didn't say we had to go with the bandanas early on. Now I think brand wise, they probably would have come around to that eventually and sure. realized, okay, we gotta do that, gotta make a change. But I told them early on, I go, can we like have the red? So if some fan, you know, the fans that really want to see the red will be happy. I go, yeah. but but I'm gonna go to the color bandanas, you know, before the first arc is over because. It just made it made sense to me. I mean, I, I worked for many years. My first my first job editorially in comics, I worked with Gene Simmons from Kiss for many years. I got to know Gene really well, and Gene always said like he would be, he would say, "Hey, if, whenever we're done, Paul and me, there's still gonna be a Kiss." He goes, "Cause Kiss is a brand, it's a super brand." And he goes, sure. "Because people don't all know who Gene Simmons is, Paul Stanley is, but if you put those those four pictures of the makeup, oh yeah, anywhere know. in the world, people know automatically what it is. If you put purple, blue, orange." And red anywhere together. Yeah. What do people automatically think? Yeah, turtles. They just do. And yeah. and and I said we can't ignore that. It's just too too important to the brand. And one, it just makes it easier when you're writing. So you can just have them talk, even though they you know that they, they do have you know pretty distinct speech patterns and and, and oh yeah, you know, it's sure. still one of those things where it, it, it's it just sets them apart, you know, and, 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 I, and I, so I just try to come up with the idea that, you know, that was just their individual favorite colors all the way back from field Japan, you know, it wasn't anything complicated, sure. but it was just an explanation and then people bought it or they didn't. So people got mad, you know, and to this day, people are like, it's not turtles unless they're in red bananas and, or they'll say, but I hear all kinds of stuff, you know, like we, we brought in nobody who's one of my favorite characters that we have angel bridge. And actually the funny thing about that character was I have a character that I created, I used to write superhero prose. I had a, a character named Ravina that was similar to what, what Angel Bridge is now, you know, kind of a street fighting uh, African-American girl out in the street, had the fighting sticks, you know, and, and, and at one point I said, I'm going to bring her, you know, I'm not doing anything with her. Sure. I'm going to probably bring her into the turtle universe. I think, I think that I, there's a spot for her here. You know, when we had that, those early stories now to Nickelodeon's credit and Joan Hilty specifically, who was, who's our, our partner on that side and does approvals. I put together the pitch with Ravina. Kevin even did a, a sketch with one of the turtles with Ravina and it says Ravina. And so it's pretty rare now if anybody can get that. And I, we sent it over to Nickelodeon. They're like, Hey, we like the character, but you know, we're going to own this you're basically giving this to us, sure. you know, and I knew that, but, but just them saying it to me for some reason, really maybe yeah, sure. second, second yeah. guess, but I was like, yeah, but I'm not really doing anything with her. And then Joan goes, you know, there's this character named Angel Bridge, kind of similar to this that was in, in the cartoon, you know, the four kids cartoon or fast forward one of those. And I, I said, really? So then I go in the handy turtle wiki and I went, Oh, hell yeah. So that's, that's, I can keep Ravina. You know, yeah. and, and have my cake and eat it too. We've we've got our Angel Bridge. We've got our character Nobody. Um, but I, you know, I got like some angry mail from one of the forums or something, and they were saying, 
I can't follow this because nobody isn't a black girl. It's nobody's a white cop. And I said, look, we do these great reprints at IDW, like ad nauseum. We do hardcovers, yeah. soft covers, everything. I go, guess what? If you go buy some of those Mirage reprints, nobody's still a white cop. They never changed. Yeah. That's still true. That still exists. Yeah. Your childhood's intact. Don't worry. You know, and even if your child, we're talking about was when you're in your 30s and your 40s, it's still intact. Yes. You know, and it's like, it, it does, it, we, ne- we didn't destroy anything. We just did something different. And yeah. you don't have to read it. You don't have to like it. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with that. I don't expect everybody to like everything we do. You know, it's okay. But when they make it like, because this happened, this does no longer exist. You're like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, like I said, I'll give you a perfect example. I love Blade Runner. I unabashedly love that first movie. And when the second one came out, I was, I never usually am so invested that I'm like, oh shit, I hope it's good. You know, and usually I'm like, oh, but you know, hope it's good if it's not. Yeah. But that one, I was like, oh, please let it be good. And yeah. it was amazing, you know, and it was a perfect sequel to me to that movie. And I loved it. But, but even if I didn't like it, it, it would never change my mind about the first, about the first movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, that's still the movie I love, no matter what the second one was like, luckily it was good. Should have been bad. And I could have just pretend to like, I love alien series. Prometheus made me want to cringe and hide in a corner, you know, and I love Ridley Scott. And that was just like a hit. That was a miss for me, you know, and for a lot of people. And I tried to give it a couple of tries. And I, every time I watch it again, I'm like, no, just something about this movie doesn't work for me. And, but doesn't mean the Sigourney Weaver alien all of a sudden is destroyed, you know, and my memories are, ruined because somebody tried something different in this case the guy who created it i mean sure hey that's his vision i'm not gonna argue with him you know i might not i'm just not gonna go that way with him you know on this this time but yeah we we that happens a lot it happens a lot where like you said the, the bandanas are just you know the old the is, is held on to so tightly yeah you know and i'm always like i have no problem with loving those things and, and cherishing them but if you don't make changes then there's no progress there's just no there's nowhere progress. to go with the stories if you can't branch out speaking yeah. of, speaking of the bandanas how did you guys decide on the black bandana and did you hesitate because of slash a little bit yeah we did we actually did a little, hesitate a little bit because of slash but i just said um i said there's only so many colors and, <laughs> and you know and we i think we even looked at at a white one at one point um even him keeping the orange one or going to the red one, but then I said, Kevin, again, hardcore fans can handle that. Most fans would be, oh, it's Raph, you know, because it would be red. I go, so it, it just that's too okay. that's yeah. too tied into Raph, you know. It's just too symbolic of Raphael at this point, you know. It's blue as Leo, etc. So black kind of became our thing where I said it's kind of like a morning band, you know, like you know, yeah. like the police wear or something on their badges and stuff. I go, let's just call it that. That's what. That's yeah. why he's wearing black. Uh, so I, you know, arguably I would say, you know, not counting, not including body count, right. This mm-hmm. is probably the most violent turtle story told since the Mirage days. W- was there any pushback on that from Nickelodeon? Some. Okay. Some only in the sense that, that they knew this was going to be more violent. Sure. I mean, let's be honest. I, lo- I love when this comes up in issue five of turtles, IDW four boys get beheaded Split Haramata Yoshi gets beheaded in an execution. Donatello in the IDW Turtles has his shell smashed by a sledgehammer after being pummeled by a flat screen TV and and chased around with a chainsaw. 
Sure. There's violence. And people always, you know, again, this is the thing I'll say in the forums, like, that's not what's happening. There's no, there's no Illuminati <laughs> um, agenda behind the scenes from either Viacom or Nickelodeon. Sure. I wish there was, because I, I love conspiracies, so I'd be like, that's the coolest thing ever. But no, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You know, there's nothing like that. There's no, there's no, uh, what's the, the term, their favorite one now? SJW, um, agenda sjw is that right yeah there's no progressive plan to destroy the youth the world and and right. and destroy these properties nothing like that it's a bunch of people who come together and go hey, i got an idea for a story what do you think let's try it okay let's do it that sounds good there are directives there's brand directives and i get it you know what and it played itself out speaking of donatello in issue 44 so when we first got the license it was a pretty open, open book of rules. There wasn't many rules. I mean, we could, at one point I remember saying like, we could show the, the turtles um, doing pot, smoking pot. You know, it was like, there was still like some older rules from, you know, but, sure. but what happens is our comic book is this turtles is this sure. movies and cartoons and toys are a lot bigger than our mm -hmm. little corner of the market. Our market's gotten bigger. And I think they appreciate us a lot more now than sure. they used to. But at first it was, you know, we were even not sure if we were going to take the license, you know, because at the end of the Mirage period there, there wasn't a lot of people buying Turtles comics and, and some people at the office were like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's already, you know, past this time, sure. you know, and that's yeah. when we said, so we got to come up with a plan to make it new, fresh. And, and what happens is we get these rules, but then there's also like, like I said, brand considerations. So what that means is you and I, can live in a multiverse. And nowadays, a lot more people can understand what a multiverse is. Certainly. Because that's what Marvel and DC are teaching them in these movies and these shows. But for a while, just us geeks could figure that out, right? Right, right, right. And so they were like, we're too worried that the, the, the what they call the normies or, you know, the non-hardcore fans, they're not going to get that and they're not going to separate. Sure. You know, so if they see, you know, I mean, it's no different. Like if your kid sees by accident online, My Little Pony Porn, <laughs> they don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like that awful stuff, but then they make a connection with the real thing. You know, it's like, what if somebody goes, what are you looking at? You'll never get in my little pony again. I can't believe I just saw that. Sure. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, well, that has nothing to do with this. This is something totally separate. Right. So for, for like, say for example, the turtles, if you got turtles wholesale killing people, one, it kind of steals away from the heroics, and they're just be basically punisher. I agree. You know, agree. and two, you you potentially risk the brand across the board. And so when we when we killed Donatello, which we didn't, obviously, spoiler, sorry, but when people thought we did, one, we didn't expect that reaction either. One, and mainly because I knew issue fifty was coming, and I was so worried about issue fifty hitting the way I wanted it to hit because I've been sure. planning it all those years that it was like a step along the way. Sure. And so we knew it would be kind of a big deal, and to Nickelodeon's credit, they always say, we don't want to sugarcoat it, but we don't need it to be gratuitously, gratuitously violent. And so to me, it's like Jaws. Sometimes the best thing in Jaws are the things you don't see. Those are the things that scare you the most. Alien was just like that too. So sometimes the violence off the panel is, you know, in, in the gutter. Oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. Right. Yeah. You're imagining it your way. I'm imagining it my way. And, and it's probably both are awful, but sure. just different awful, yeah. you know? And so... And so they just said, you know, kind of keep some of this stuff off panel, but, you know, they let us do it. They let us chop five, boy, four boys' heads off. You know, they've let us do things. They've let Jenica kill people, you know, with under Splinter's command. You know, I thought for sure, you know, I wasn't sure if that was going to fly. They were like, 
no problem. You know, Karai has killed people. It's just the bigger role is they just, they kind of want the turtles not to, to be killers. It's just, and there's a couple things. And that's a good, no guns, but you know what? Batman doesn't like guns either, but he's still badass, you know? And so the big thing was like always like no guns, you know? And so, so it's a challenge as a writer, you know, when you got guys running around sharp, sharp edges and they're not cutting anything, you know, it's, you got to find things for them to cut, but and it's not flesh usually, but then there's other ways around it. They never have a problem. Like say, for example, if they go to Null and Null has those, like what I call like the vegetable zombies that, that guard the place. That was just our little invention. So guess what? They can go in there and start hacking and chopping away. Sure. It's still to me violent. Just a little I, less blood. As a side note, I am resisting all temptation to talk about those first hundred issues right now. Cause there are so many things I could talk to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's like, but again, like, but you know and this is something we had to think about Ron because with the Donatello thing the next day I came in office so comic books out on Wednesday I come in Thursday and it's a freak out you know and I didn't expect it sure. you know, and my boss came over and goes first thing he says to me I want you to kill a new, a new turtle every week because all of a sudden the <laughs> going the, the you know but then I I, I got a call from like USA Today about me about killing Donatello. We I got death threats. I got I got mad parents saying that we destroyed their kids' cartoon that they watch every day because we oh, like never read the had book. Nothing to do with it, you know. But that's when I was like, Whoop. okay, I'm witnessing for myself why their brands are as concerned as they are sometimes about that because parents would have stopped watching that show and stopped buying that toy because they think my kids' favorite. I can't have my kid watch that show anymore. His favorite character is dead. Sure. And you're like, that has nothing to do with that TV show. You yeah. know, but they don't know that. They just right. know there are four turtles and the purple one is dead, you know? Sure. And and uh, so that that was something that we did think about going into Ronan. But with Ronan, no, they, they knew, we said it early on, it was going to be graphic, that there was going to be deaths. And it was more of a, a question of just, you know, how gratuitous we make it, how how sure. how graphic we display it. And, and I thought we did a pretty good job. And, that, and that's yeah. all all credit to Kevin and his layouts. Sure. That guy just knows how to lay out a comic, you know, like nobody else. Between him and Larry Hama, the both guys I work with, you know, it's amazing to watch the old guys, just how they, they know how to lay out a story, lay out a comic, and, and tell that story in a way visually that not only accomplishes, you know, giving, you know, all of us are violence fetish, you know, sure. we're, we're satisfied in the violence side, but at the same time, without going in such a gratuitous path, that sure. it's just a turnoff for a lot of people or impossible to get approved. I've interviewed Larry Hama. He's a super nice guy. He's great. I, I love that guy. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Larry's my, Larry's my, uh, I love, because I, I edit G.I. Joe, and um, they had a party for me at IAW when we got to 100, you know, for me writing 100 issues, which is nice. It was really nice, really sweet of everybody to do that for me. But I remember I said this to Kevin on the side, the only thing is I work with Larry Hama and we're coming up on 300. So I'm kind of like <laughs> compared to Larry. <laughs> I go, that keeps me humble every day. Sure. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, um, uh, I'll try to get through these because I don't want to, I don't want to keep it too long. Uh, what, what was uh, Laird's involvement in the, in what we see at the last round? Honestly, just his blessing at this point. So it was kind of like one of those things where Kevin said, we're not going to go forward with this. I need to talk to Peter first. I want to make sure he's okay with it. Sure. Make sure that that he knows we may be making some adjustments here and there. Obviously, you know the future tech at the very least. Um, so that was something that he and and in all the years I worked on drills, I've never met Peter Laird. I've never talked to him. It's weird. I just never have. It just never come about oh, for whatever reason. I know Bobby has worked with him sometimes. I just never have. Um, 
but um, you know, through Kevin, Kevin and I are really good friends at this point. And so I know, I know the situation kind of through Kevin and they're, they're still friends and so friendly, but as far as the turtle stuff, I think Peter was kind of like, yeah, you, you guys go ahead and do it. I don't really need to be involved. But one of the things that we were very cognizant of are things that Peter brought to the turtles, yeah. you know, early on. So things like Fugitoid. Fugitoid was included because we wanted to make sure that was like, that's very indicative of Peter, you know, that character. Sure. Was, yeah, that was like, and so we thought, and Kevin's like, I want Fugitoid in here. We got to find a way because this oh, is nice. Peter's baby and then we got we to gotta get him in here. Oh, so, nice. there, you know, it was kind of like, I guess, in spirit. Yeah, well, you know he's very much alive, so he's not. You know, but you know, you know what I mean. It was kind of more of a, but it's it still more, like you know, acknowledging yeah. all of that, the Eastman yeah. and the Laird of it all. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, that so that I didn't realize that, but that's a nice touch. That's cool. Yeah, and then would, obviously the outline itself. I mean, a lot of the story comes from what they put together. I, you know, I would love to find out. Okay, so I, I've seen some of the pages right from the mm-hmm. director's cut thing, whatever. What existed in those in those pages? Like, how much of the story existed in that? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to definitely, Kevin. Definitely, I would say definitely more than definitely more than fifty percent as far as like foundationally, sure. like the structure. If you're looking at a building under construction and it's, you know it's got the the scaffolding and stuff all around it, that was all there. That's you know that that's that outline. Sure. We were just kind of putting some fine touches to like you know maybe the molding here and there and the sure. and the and the flooring and all that stuff inside the building that we're constructing. But foundationally, it's that outline. You know, the, the Ronan doesn't happen without that outline, and so, a lot of the a lot of the stuff within the story doesn't happen either. Was it always Mikey? No, it was just a, no. There was it was never named in the outline. It was just the last hurdle, and they were, they had never made a decision. And even up to when we finally made our decision, it was still up in there. Kevin and I were like debating who it would be, but I think Mikey was always the front runner. I I, I know in my mind he was just because I felt like he was the most unexpected. To sure. be that 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 turtle, um, but then there was other reasons too. You know, like, like Kevin leaned into it. Not only that reason, but he was the first turtle they ever drew. You know, yeah. and so it was kind of the first and the last yeah. Alpha Omega kind of thing. You know, and and uh, so you know that that was good enough for me. But but um, I always felt like the one I I always poo pooed was Raph. You know, and mainly because I said it's too obvious. It just makes too much sense. He basically is Wolverine. You know, in Turtle, he's 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 yeah. to me TMNT. Their Wolverine is Raph, right? And yeah. he's that character. He comes off that with that attitude, you know, and stuff. And I said it, it would be like Old Man Logan, and it, like spot on Old Man Logan with Raph, which is really a, in my mind our Wolverine. And and Kevin agree with that. Yeah. Um. And then with with Donnie, he was he was kind of floating around there too. But there were just certain aspects of with Donnie that we felt he would have gone more we just we kept thinking he would have probably gone more in the stockman route more technologically advanced you know leaning in that way and we thought we thought you know what about mikey you know we kept coming back to mikey you know he's happy what if this totally turns him upside down what if this totally becomes a thing that turns him into everything he's not but the goal being that by the end of the story there's some semblance of that mikey still that comes mm. through you know sure. and and that's kind of and that, that, at that once we decided that then it was easy you know, and then we knew it was him. I remember during the whole conjecture period, uh, like I was like, okay, it's got to be Mikey or Leo because like Raph's already there, right? He's already that yeah. guy. Donnie's already the most resourceful turtle. So he's not the most, it's not the most interesting to see that. So I was like, yeah. either Mikey because he's got the farthest to go or Leo because he'd have this mountain of guilt for having failed the team. So it was like, yeah. it had to be one of those two for me. So like, yeah. And, and one of the things that we, I mean, it's, 
we get critiqued on this and, and I'm fine with it because I understand why, but we deliberately set out to show their deaths in a way where they're tragic and they're somewhat heroic, but at the same time, they're deaths. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, where it's like people die and, yeah. and they could be the greatest hero ever. And then they can walk across the street and get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? It's, it was yeah. kind of like, we needed to show that ultimately in the end, all these deaths were like, were useless, worthless, you know, because in the end it's, it was all about a family squabble that literally ended the way it began with two members of the, each family fighting in the water and one comes out, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's, it, it was the, the plan was to never glorify their deaths, you know, to show that they maybe went out in a blaze of glory somewhat, or they went out fighting, but the reality is they got ambushed yeah, and they got tricked, you yeah. know? And, and, and people said, why did you, why would Donnie go to Japan with, with Master Splinter? And all that stuff was deliberately thought through because we, we said, because he would fly the plane. He's the, he's the tech guy. He's, he's flying the plane. And we even make a comment, you know, if you look for little, little, little things, we hint that Mikey could never fly very good because he crashes that car at the beginning of the first, in the first issue. And they said, you still can't fly, yep. you know? And so the idea of being like, everybody had their, their part, but it was a little more conventional than super turtles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just makes sense. Donnie would fly the jet. That's what he does. Leo would keep, keep an eye on things with the strike team back home, you know, cause that's what he would be, do as a leader. But in the end they, they died and it wasn't, you know, their deaths didn't serve any purpose. Honestly, they didn't. And I think that was our the whole point was we were just trying to show like, it's tragic. It, yeah. it literally is tragic, not just because they're dead and they're people you love, but to what end, you know, it just led to another death to another fighting until in the end, you know, Mikey had to solve it, but he realized I can't, this can't keep going. You know, it has to be. And that's why we had the no peace thing was something we had right from the start that I'll take care of for that one. That was my idea. But yeah. I, cause we were talking about the journal, Kevin wanted that journal. And I go, what if he like had his own note in there and he wrote no peace? Like, cause like he, he can never find peace, mm. you know? And then I said, and at the end he does, and he passes that, that lesson on. And, and that was something that those are little things that when you see him in your head early on, and that was like right from before we even started writing, I knew I wanted to do that. Yeah. And then see it come together. It's, it's so exciting because you just never know how things are going to come together. You know, it's, you have the vision and then to see the artists and everybody in the letter and everybody come together to make it happen. That was one of those where I was like, shit, we did that one. We hit it. We got it. You oh, know, yeah. where, uh, you know, and that was one that was like really important to me personally in the story from the beginning. And to what you were saying too, like towards the end, you feel a little bit that Mikey, like when he's teaching at the end, you feel, yeah. you feel Mikey come back a little bit. Yeah. He's even trying to tell us some bad jokes, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it's kind of like, you're starting to see like he's coming through and, and, and to Kevin's credit, I, I will say this. He reined me in on that because I was going to have him coming out even more mm. And Kevin was like, no, no, let's pull him back just a little bit. He's still sure. not, you know, and, and I'm glad he did that because it, it just, it reads better that way, you know, cause I had a few more jokes in there. He goes, let's pull those out. Just have him, you know, he's, he's there. He wants to be there, but he's trying, but he's not, but there. the mission is still just the most important thing ultimately. And, and I was glad he, you know, that those, that was kind of the back and forth we were doing where, you know, it was a very fluid process. That was also part of the delay. It was, this was a book written and then rewritten and then rewritten on the fly and then rewritten once the art came to me and I started scripting and then I had different ideas based on the artwork, you know, so it was kind of like, I guess what they call Marvel style, but on steroids, you know, so <laughs> 
with Kevin yeah. doing layouts, you know, and then sure. Scorsese coming in and drawing at the same time. And the, the glue that held us all together was colorist Luis Antonio Delgado, because, you know, he, he's a, he's a machine. So oh, yeah, I spoke to him too. He's great. Yeah. As slow as we were, he's, yeah. he's been my guy for years and, and he was getting it done, you know? So I was excited. I, I'm really excited to see him getting these opportunities too, because I've been working with him since early Ghostbusters years when I was editing and, and, uh, He's always been somebody who's come through for me a million times. Did uh, did Mikey always die? Was it always the plan? Yeah, yeah. You know why? The funny thing is, is um, Kevin can probably elaborate on more, but I think he always felt like he kind of wanted Batman to die at the end of Dark Knight Returns. Mm. And, and so he said, uh, "I'm we're gonna kill our guy." You sure. know, because he, yeah. he said that was that was never his favorite ending. And, would, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Funny thing is. I don't always agree with him on that one. I kind of like, <laughs> but, but I also see that, that, that side of it, you know, that, that point, because it, it, it was definitely the opportunity right there to pass the baton, sure. you know, to, to, to um, carry, but we kind of, you know, obviously Casey's our carry in a lot of ways. And we, um, we uh, wanted to pass that baton. I would love to hear about what your process was. Kevin was like, well, like, how does it work? I mean, you said it a little bit just now, but what was the process? The Ronin was very different. So over the years, and that was one of the early challenges with Ronin too. Issue one got re completely rewritten, um, even after it was lettered once. No, oh, I, I think it was lettered, and, I, and, I, and then we re I rewrote it. So, oh, like, why? So it was one of those things where, again, that was where I think where it really hit Kevin what this was. And it okay. wasn't it wasn't IDW Turtles anymore. You know, he, we knew that, but I think it really hit him once we saw it all laid out. Because it, I was still some of the, the voicing that I was using was still IDW Turtles voicing, right? It still had that feel a little bit, you know. And I've been doing that like I don't know, automatic pilot for ten years, eleven course, years. Yeah, you hear the turtles one way. Yeah, so it was kind of that. I was still leaning in that direction, um, but the and so when we read it, Kevin goes, "It's just not. This is not what I want it to be." He goes, this is fine, he goes, but it's not what I wanted to be. And so we sat down and he started talking about it. He gave me a few examples of a few scenes. And I was like, okay, I think I see what you're saying. I think I get what's going on here in your mind versus what I was thinking, which is just how I've been thinking for 10 years. Because what we would do over those years was he and Bobby and I would get together. We'd have what we call my melds, sometimes called my melts, where we'd just sit in a room and say, okay, we knew the beats. There was big beats I wanted to hit from the start. I wanted, you know, Splinter to take over. The, the foot clan and kill shredder i wanted a, a, a female turtle if there was ever a way to do that you know i wanted um at the end splinter to sacrifice himself after you know once he took over the foot clan because he realized he was being corrupted you know and, and a lot of stuff in between but those were like certain beats i just definitely wanted to hit and then we just decided early on once once we knew we had some longevity because I at first I didn't think I was going to get past four four issues. If I got past four issues, I was going to be happy. Yeah. But once we felt like okay, they're going to let us keep going, then we that's when we started saying milestones. Okay, this will happen at fifty. This will happen at seventy five. Sure. You know, these are the milestone issues. And then we would build the story in between. And there was a lot of stuff that that we knew we were going to do, but things are fluid over time. You know, or somebody like a Brian Lynch will come in and, and create like a Harold Lilja, and I'm like, hell no, I'm not letting that character go. That character's too awesome. Or Alapex, you know, like in the, in the side in the macro series and stuff. Yeah, I steal all that stuff any chance I get. You know, or or like the reincarnation thing took on a whole new meaning to me. As big as it was always in my mind, when when Eric and Mateus and those guys did Secret History of the Foot Clan, that's when you go, oh wait, oh, yeah. I think my idea did work because look what they did with it. You know, I would have never even thought about that. That's yeah. huge. You know, that makes it just, oh, it takes to a whole new level now, you know? And, and yeah. so that's, 
that is the canon now. And that's what I, I started building from, you know, and it wasn't canon. I laid out other than the reincarnation. And they just built this whole history. And I'm like, okay, this is too perfect. Let's keep going with this. You know, sure. it's, a, it's like little characters, big, big, big things like that, you know, and, and we bring it all in. So that was how we worked for many years. Bobby would kind of sit down and we, we kind of outline it out, send it to Nickelodeon, make sure they were good with everything. And after a while, they just trusted us to the point where it was kind of like, you guys are going to just do what you do. You know, sure. not killing you. You're not going to, not too many people getting their heads chopped off this issue. No, you know, no, <laughs> no weird, no weird mutant sex. No. Okay. Well, let's, let's, um, let's go forward with it. But, you know, and they, they were really um, trusting me and, and it was, you know, it, made a huge difference in how we approached it creatively because we just were trying to tell our best story, not having to worry about a licensor over our shoulder. Certainly. You know, they were actually in our corner more than anything. With we kind of started doing that at the beginning of Ronan. Right. Okay. You know, like where it was kind of like I, I put together this little bit of an outline and then I I, I actually did a script and and Kevin kind of drew from that. Um other than like it would say like, hey, big action sequence you know, next 10 pages. And Kevin just takes that, you know, and I said, but then I would have certain scenes, you know, like the, the scenes, the one scene I wanted in the first issue was I, I came up with the Sepulchre scene, you know, where he's going to, where he's going to do Harry Curry in, in the subway. That was my scene. I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I said to Kevin, as long as we can get to the last, you know, whatever, four or five pages, this is, I want to have a scene where he almost takes his own life and he lays out all this stuff. And then that's when he gets discovered by Casey. Sure. Um, so, Kevin kind of built from that, but then what happened was we lettered it with my script and we didn't like it. It didn't work. You know, it was just one of those things where it felt like it's totally not what Kevin wanted. And, you, and I was like, you, I'm not, like could, I don't, you, could you give it like an example of like how so, like in what way, like it wasn't like, what just, was, just like, 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 uh, say for example, when Mikey's taking the uh, car from the, the, okay. the singes, right. I have him joking the whole way. You know, like, gotcha. okay. like going down, you know, or something, saying some jokes. And Kevin's like, no jokes. I don't want jokes. He's not, yeah, no, he's, he's not a joking guy right now. You know, and and, it, and I was like, oh, okay. But then then I was like, all right, I didn't know that. But now I know. And so then then we just started working. I started working on pages to change them. And then, then he goes, there's the voice right there. And yeah. the voice was that one where it's like a strong inner monologue. And the one thing that that we talked about early on was we debated on the brothers. Like, do you ever see them? Do you not see them? You know, we know he's talking to somebody and that was a way to keep the other turtles in the story. Right. Right. But, but even Kevin and I have never decided, is he crazy? Well, that was my question. I wanted to ask you, is it, is it, is are it they ghosts or are yeah. they? Yeah. What, what is it? And I, I said, whatever works, I guess, you know, sure. whatever works for the people. I love that. I um, love that. You don't know. I love that. Yeah. We never decided. And, and I kind of, you know, I, there's a we do a Transformers comic at IW and and Brian Ruckley's been writing the, the main book for many years now, um, and he has there's a character Cyclonus in there in similar situation he his old war buddies you know surround him and talk to him all the time and I loved the banner you know because it was never like it was just more like criticisms you know and I said those are kind of like your inner demons your inner anxieties come out you know through your brothers I go so some people might see it like that you know yeah. it's just different aspects of his brother that he's taking in maybe it's literally their ghosts, you know, you don't know. And yeah. I, I, I told Kevin, I go, I don't really want to make a decision on that personally. Yeah, it was such a smart choice. Yeah. It's, it's it's we, that's how we approached it. Yeah. 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 As a matter of fact, like he shuts them up at the end. But if you, if you look at the book, the first issue and the fifth issue, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. In the first issue, he's trying to shut them up. They won't. Yeah. Finally in the fifth issue, he's like, it's it. 
now it's me. It's got to be me. I got to finish this. The, yes. no more. And you silence those voices. And, then you, and, and they, you and they yeah. cut off, right? So okay. a lot of stuff he couldn't accomplish in the first issue because he wasn't ready. Right. He's, by the fifth, he is. But he's ready because, not because he's a better warrior or stronger or whatever. It's because he's rediscovered love mm. and, and family. And he's like kind of reminded, this is why I'm doing this. You know, and but I got to do it because they're going to get hurt. Just like my other family got hurt. I got, I have to do something else. I can't bring them into this anymore. Was the plan at the uh, always to reveal it was Michelangelo at the end of issue one? Yeah, like, yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing about that was I loved that was the the comma that drove people nuts because obviously a comma before his name is that he's being spoken to, right? Yeah, sure. You know, you know who are you talking to, Michelangelo? But I had all these people saying, "I know what you're doing there. It's a pause. You're saying who are you talking to?" Are you t- Michelangelo? Like, are you talking to me? I'm like, no, you're overthinking it. That's Michelangelo. It's, right, it's, right, right. it's yeah. him. <laughs> the comment is doing what it's supposed to do. One thing that was crazy to me, and I'm sorry, I don't want to take um, oh, no, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the first issue, I reread them all, you know, in preparation for these, right? And your damn text boxes are in orange. It's a light orange, but it's orange. And it's like, how the fuck did I not catch that the first door? <laughs> I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, I didn't notice it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, like you said, because like, it's part of it. And especially in this case, like Sean, or letter, Sean Lee did such an amazing job that yeah. if he's doing his job, which he was, that should just feel like it's part of the art. You well, know, it was the color. Like, it was already the, in the color. The balloons are part of the art. Oh, yeah. man. I was like, and even when the ghosts, they speak in a red box. I'm like, what? Am I an idiot? I didn't know. <laughs> So I would love to talk about um, uh, any major uh, story hurdles you encountered, especially issues two through four, because we kind of covered one and five really nicely. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in those issues that you're like, this didn't work or it, 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 we got this point? Like anything major story point two, four and five, two, three and four? You know, what? I don't know about things not working, but that's where we made some big changes Please. from the, the original plan. So the big change was in issue one, because of we were running so late. Ben drew that last page of, you know, where the well, next to the last page where he kind of like looks like he's going to heaven, you know, he's in the thing and then he pops back and he's with April. Right. Yeah. And we had to get that out fast. And at first Kevin was like, you know, I love Ben's art because this is a little softer than I expected that page to be. Interesting. But, but it's, but we're like, but it, it works, you know, and this is, this is, this is what we'll keep in here, you know, because we wanted this scene where he's kind of like, you know, flat lines, but then he comes back. Sure. But the funny thing is, one, the more we looked at it, the more we all loved it, then fans loved it. And fans got it in a way that, you know, yeah. even better than we ho- hoped they would. And then I, then we decided, wait, there's a plan here built around this one page that wasn't, ex- you know, was kind of a last second add-in just because we were running out of time. And I said, we need Ben drawing all this back, the, the back, story oh, you know, the flashback cool. stuff and i go and we need to come back to this scene at the end with the flat line and everything again you know to show like this was him almost like so again another another kind of connection to one and five is one he didn't die properly sure. five he does yeah and he's happy you know or you you know he, he goes to a better place and you and and i it's up to the reader to decide what that means you know sure everybody's different you know how they approach it but to me it's just showing like this is his happy place you know he's still a ninja he's still all these things but he's with his brothers he's with his dad he's with casey they're on the rooftop it's just you know it's just like if we got to go back and ride our bikes down dirt road like i used to when i was a kid you know i mean 
there's it's nothing special, but it is at the same time. And so, so that was where we started really looking hard at, you know, giving up the, the duties mm. with the catch being Kevin had all the layouts still, you know, sure. and by two where it started becoming a little more difficult and it got a little better was Kevin was literally, we were, we had the story in mind overall and then he was doing layouts and it would change as he was doing layouts. And there's times he would do full pages and say, Nope, I don't like that one. This is, it's not doing what I wanted to do. So there was times where, you know, I knew overall what the story was going to be, but I wasn't sure what everything was going to look like. till I saw it, you know, so it was really art driven. And then you came in a little bit later, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It was story driven together. I'm just like art driven. And then, and then, then it was dialogue. Then it was like, okay, this is, we know what this, we wanted the story to be. We, we know how we wanted to make it feel. This is how it looks now. Make it sound like that. Make it sound like it's supposed to feel. And that, and that was where then I would come in and, and throw in. And then there was times Kevin had like dialogue recommendations that I would say, no, this is, how about this? Let's try this instead. Sure. Or there were times where I was like, no, that's exactly what you're right. That's what you should say. And that's, that's how, you know, we did it. But, you know, and a lot of times Kevin would just put like, like um, just words that were just kind of like inspirational words, you know, like angry, sad you know and i would know okay in this scene this is this is kind of how we're the mood we need to set with with the way they're speaking or what they're saying um but then kevin did the because of time again we had him do the flashback scene in the mountains where and that was an issue two yeah and two was where we first see see um a kevin thing, thing and i and that again was we had to do it because we were running out of time. Sure. So he said, I'll just put it in there and we'll make it make sense. But then when I, when the issue was done, I go, do you see what we're doing here? I go, there's a pattern here. Yours are the first person narration. Yep. Where they're narrating the actual person is speaking, talking about their past. Ben has the flashbacks where we go, you know, hardcore into those flashbacks. These are actually, you know, being told as we, if we were there, I'm just shit. And then the scores do the, the modern stuff. I go, that's what we should keep doing. Yeah. Let's just keep doing that. I go, and then we'll find. And Kevin's like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I have time to do more pages. I'm like, you're gonna have to, man. <laughs> I go, so for so for two, three, and four, he did. Yeah. You know, we we found a way. I, I said, here's the scene. This is what I think you need. We should do. And this is this will be from April's perspective. She's talking about what happened to her after the explosion. And then we'll have from Mikey. And then we can have have um, uh, Mikey you know, narrating when he went to Japan. And then we show the flashback, but then also show it from his first person perspective, not just the kind of omniscient perspective. Sure. And, it, and it worked out, you know, so those are things that were fluid along the way that sometimes caused delays. But again, were the things that I felt like, no, we have to do it this way. Even if it means we need another week, it's, it's, it's just, we want this thing to look consistent. We don't want what our biggest worry was. We don't want to get something out there and then we're going to make a whole bunch of changes for the trade. You know, although I will say this, I don't know if anybody's told you, there are some extra pages in the trade. Ooh. There was a, there's something that Kevin wanted that we didn't have time to include that didn't change the story at all much, but is um, something to do with the battle wagon that, that appeared in uh, okay three three I think so so there's there when you buy the tr- trade people are gonna open up and go wait this wasn't in my <laughs> my <laughs> monthly <laughs> issue so that you know so there, there is some extra stuff in, within the story itself. Uh, I wanted to breeze through the um, the deaths of the other characters real quick if you don't mind. Is there anything you wanted to say about Raph's death? No, you know what? I love I love Raph's death because I really that was one where right from the start we said it's just going to be he's high headed, impetuous, 
can't yes. stand still. He's going to think Splinter's dead. You know, that's all he hears is he's dying and he does, obviously didn't die, you yep. know, and he's going to go off half cock. And it's something that we've played with in all iterations of turtles, you know, us, Archie's everybody raps always. And I go somewhere along the line that has to blow up in his face. It just does. And I go, and it only makes sense that that ends up in him getting him killed, you know, but again, it's also showing like your hot headedness. Not only got yourself killed, it, it was the, the domino that knocked everything else over, you know, really. That is like, you really do like, like it, 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 it's not, it's not a heroic death, right? It's him being, it's him getting himself into trouble. And like, it, what I love about that is it's not so much a blaze of glory. It's like, just chill the fuck out, dude. And everything's going to be okay. And yeah. Goes, and it was like, yeah, like so Leo sitting there saying, dude, let's think about this. Okay. We got ambushed. Got to get dad better. You know, and, and it should be, let's get him better. Then we'll figure out what we're going to do next. But no, yeah, it's yeah. like, we got to go. We got to go kick ass. And you know what I mean? And it's, it's one of those things where, where it made the most sense to me that that is how he would die. And, and that's kind of, but it would be also a reason why Mikey would be angry later. Yeah. Because that's part of Mikey's anger. When you read it, he's saying, what was the point? Yeah. Because they're like, we taught you, we trained you, 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 we always were your big brothers and, he's like, and you're all freaking dead. Yeah. There's not what, so what, 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 what is the point you're trying to make here folks? <laughs> you yeah. know, that's, and I think that was the thing is like, what was this all for? What about Leo and Casey? With Leo and Casey, that was actually um, Kevin really wanted them to have kind of like their. Uh, th- that's all um, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid in Kevin's oh, mind. Cool. That's that's what he wanted it to be. Kind of that, like we know we're gonna die. Let's go out, you know, fighting mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but that's that was the true inspiration for that scene. Um, for my part, I, I thought it was a good time to like start showing Stockman's involvement. You know, so I was saying like we're gonna show like Stockman was involved early on in all this mess because he becomes such a key player later, yep. you know, in the city. And I was saying, well, we need to, why would he let a guy like Stockman stay alive? You know, that's like his competition, unless yep. he thinks he's using Stockman, you know, as a means to an end. And I go, so let's just show early on that Stockman was already, you know, working for the Foot Clan and 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 starting to develop these the whole point is he was trying to develop these these uh you know, the cyborg warriors ultimately that you see, but early on, they're just like big robots. But um, what you'll find in the sequels, hopefully is one of the things that we have is why, how Fugitoid plays into that. Interesting. You know, why, what, why he was after Fugitoid, what the, what was the whole point of that? Sure. You know, because we were kind of leaving that, we figured that was going to be our green, green arrow. So like, you know, in dark Knight, he doesn't have an arm and you just pretty much got a clue that Superman might've tore it off somewhere. Sure. And they just kind of hint at it. They never outright say it, but you're kind of like something happened between those two guys and Superman tore his arm. I, I mean, it makes sense for Fugitoid too because his every one of his stories is somebody's after Fugitoid for whatever has gotten. Yeah, him, right. Yeah. So, so we we, we have yeah. a specific story for him yeah. that we want to tell, but we're just kind of hinting at it here, and we figured if we never got to tell it, there's enough that people will say, well, something happened between yeah. Stockman and Fugitoid in the past, and there's reasons Stockman wants them, you know, and so we'll eventually detail that. Uh, you spoke to this already. Is there anything to say about Splinter and Donnie? With Splinter and Donnie, I, you know what? I, um, my biggest thing was I had a title called Blood and Snow. I've always liked like like the old Conan, Sumerian battles in the snow, you know, all those things, the artwork, the Frazetta stuff. I love that stuff. And so I kind of, that was what I was thinking when we started talking about it. And I told him, well, 
if we've set up this idea that, you know, there is a clan in Japan that Hiroto comes from, I go, maybe they fight in Japan in snow. And there's a, there's a movie I saw, I think it's called Harry Curie. I'm not sure, but there's a movie I saw on Netflix or something um, where a guy goes, I think that's what it's called, but he goes and he fights a whole clan in this, in this kind of, uh, you know, their fortress. And he actually uses a wooden sword because oh, wow. in the story, his brother is forced to commit Hercule with a wooden sword. Like it's a slow, terrible death. So he comes well, I to figure out what movie this is. It's, it's really good. It's, and it's more modern. And he ends up going to the same place to get revenge. And he ends up fighting these guys with a wooden sword and almost beats this whole clan, but they're in snow. Sure. And I just thought, oh, it was just, you know, there's something beautiful about it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of gruesome at the same time. So that was my title. And then we just talked about, you know, Donnie would fly, fly yeah. the plane. Yeah. Um, and there would be only enough room for two of them, but they would want somebody staying back, keeping an eye on things anyway. Um, and then, and then I said, and I said, and I always loved Boromir's death in two towers, mm. you know, and the, the token books when all the orcs come and shoot them with all the arrows. So I said, can we have something like that? You know? And then from there, it was just Kevin, you know, choreographing it, putting it all together, coming up with some ideas for what Hiroto's involvement in the, in the fight, you know? So literally the, the, the action sequences, those set pieces, those are all Kevin, where I just say, this is what I like. This is what I like to see when you're done. Then I'll put words in their mouths because that you're the master of, putting these, in, you know, and not many people can put together multi-page action sequences like that. Oh yeah. And have them stay exciting, you know, because even as a writer, I mean, I know this is going to sound weird, but all the years I've written comics, sometimes the most boring scenes to write are the action ones just because oh, sure. you only can't people punch each other so many ways, yeah. you know, and you're always trying to come up with something, but then they're done that, you know, where to me, and I like those and I know comic book needs somebody getting punched in the nose every once in a while, but at the same time, there's those interpersonal moments too that I really like in comics too, you know, the, the human moments and what we call the talking head scenes. And those are more interesting to write usually probably because I don't usually go out into the alleys and punch people and fight, but yeah. I have conversations with other humans, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that are very similar to some of these things I write, you know? So, so I leave that to the master and Kevin's the master of that. So he would just oh. take that stuff and, and, um, you know, let it percolate and then you come back and say, okay, I got a 10 page, you know, battle sequence. Here it is. And then we would decide what, you know, was being said or not said during, but yeah, that, that, that death for me again was indicative of kind of our push from the start was it was kind of dumb. I mean, and, and I don't mean it, it sounds no, bad, but, like, like, but on purpose, yeah. it was kind of like, yeah. look how easy you can die. You know, and even when the best intention is thinking there's going to be peace, thinking that, you know, maybe it's all over and then you can just get yourself in a, in a bad spot and be dead, you know. And, but the point of that is not that the death is stupid, but like what Mikey learns is appreciate when you, the, the alive part of your life, because you can be dead like that, you know, and maybe it's Karai's knife up your throat or maybe it's, you know, monsters blowing up in their world. Or like I said, maybe it's I step outside right now and my neighbor accidentally throws a rock and hits me in the head. You know what I mean? It's like, it could be anything. And so that was kind of the purpose of this ending, the no peace ending with the KNOW was no, not just peace, but just be aware of what yeah. you have and where you're at because it could be gone. Um, 
Is there anything you want to say about, we've talked about this a little bit, the overall impact, like how big of an effect this has had on the fan base and all that? Because it's, you know, oh, it's far beyond than anything I expected. I, I, I'm not even going to lie. Um, I'm super appreciative. I, I, you know, I'm a lucky guy. I get to do this for a living. Um, and and I, I've been happy to have some, you know, whatever you want to call success. But I never, to me, I was in the Marines. I played sports in school. I'm in comics for a reason. I like teams. I like working with groups. I like, I like being part of something. Comics feels like way to me. So to me, it's always feels like when there's this kind of success, it's for a lot of people, you know, like I said, we happen to have our names on there, but that's, that's kind of, I guess, a fringe benefit of being the writer or whatever, but doesn't mean by any means I'm more important than anybody, anybody else in these books. I mean, doesn't get out. You can't read it unless the letter or letters are right. You can't, You can't, the letterer can't letter it unless the guy who's inputting the stuff into the files for the letterer to letter does, you know, it's, everybody plays a part. Yeah. And so, you know, if our finance people aren't taking care of signing checks, things aren't getting drawn. You know what I mean? It's everybody, it's, everybody's important. And, and that's what I, lo- I really love about comics is, is, is a huge kind of like, to me, like team project always. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, in this case, I feel like the team came through. We came through, you know, it, it worked out. But again, I ne- I expected people to like it. I expected people to care. You know, it was a little different than what we've been doing, with, you know, with with the the ongoing series, which is still doing really well under so you know, oh, yeah. Sophie's got that book churning right along. And and so I thought, oh, hopefully some of those people will come over. Didn't expect it to be the the massive hit and have the impact that it has had. Yeah. Um, like you know, just from things like toys are already out. You know, yeah. action figures. I was like, "What? That never happened before." Yeah. yeah, you know, and, I, and it was fast. You know, like it's like yeah. it was like not just okay. This had an impact. Let's see how it affects things over the years. It's like before the fifth issue was out, there was already toys, and I was like, yeah. "Holy cow!" When they when they smell blood <laughs> in the water, you know, they go for it, and and that was amazing to me. But it's also, I think, the impact itself that I'm appreciative of is not only that people are really into Ronan that they really liked the series that they stuck it out with us with all the delays and everything. And, you know, and all the other stuff going on in the world pandemics and there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to. And, you know, it's hard oh, to focus on any media right now because everything is media. Yeah. There's something everywhere. You know, and none of us can make a decision to, I, I go on Netflix. I scroll through that thing a million times. And then I'm like, eh, eh, dark night. I'll watch dark night again, you know, <laughs> for the hundredth time, you know? So, yeah. so it's, it's easy, like, you know, not to try new things, yeah. Even if the new thing is old, you know, sure. in the case of the Ronin, but they did. And we really appreciate that. The retailers got behind us, but just the impact I think it's going to have across all of our comics, the Turtles comics. Now people are paying attention. I, I'm starting to get people to say, Oh, I didn't really know you guys did comics. Now I'm jumping on board because I saw the last Ronin. And, and, and that, that's cool to hear, you know, I think with yeah. the Armageddon game thing coming, hopefully <laughs> talk about running behind. I gotta get working on that. <laughs> if, you know, get that thing going. Then um, and if, if that works out, I think it, I think Ronan's impact is bodes not just well for the, the Ronan verse, but I think just the overall IDW team and T verse, because now people are kind of paying attention and Nickelodeon, I think in my realized, wow, this, you know, I think they, they were behind it just like we were and they expected success, but I think they realized, Ooh, we have found something that fans are looking for. Yeah now, for sure. yeah. now, now what do we do? And so their answer is we want more, keep doing it. You know, don't, this is working. Let's, let's keep it working. Let's find a way, you know, to make it count still, but not have it just stop. Um, and I heard nothing about 
movies or anything, but I, I, my fingers are crossed. This might be the one, you know, from our stuff that finally maybe gets a, you know, an adaptation like that. I've always wanted, um, I've always, we've pushed, Kevin and I have pushed over the years for the, uh, IDW turtles to kind of be treated like, um, the way DC does their, their animated movies. So they do a lot of direct to video stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, so they'll take stories like hush or whatever, and they'll make a movie yeah. out of it, you know? Yeah. And I said, can you guys just think like city fall or something, make a movie out of it, you know, a turtles movie, just, you know, little yeah, direct video great. thing. And so maybe, maybe over time, I mean, I was excited the other day, I was in the comics and stuff and I saw some turtles glasses and I saw like some of Kevin's original early drawings. And I was like, Oh, these are pretty cool. Then I looked, I go, wait a minute. And there was a Jenica glass. You know, and to me, oh, that yeah. was a huge, that for me personally, because that was my baby. Yeah. That was like one of those moments where I was like, I didn't know they were making this, but that's cool. the very fact that there's a glass and a comics and stuff, which I bought because I wanted it, you sure. know, that had Jenica on it. I said, that shows that they're starting to, to, I think, look at our comics, maybe in a new light, in a way that they realize it has a, a wider reach than maybe, you know, the cartoons and TV shows. That being said, we did get a chance to look at, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. We did get a chance recently to look at some of the Seth Rogen stuff and oh. it's going to be really good. I, I, I was really happy with what I saw. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think they're smart how they're approaching it. And, and I also was happy because it's going to be its thing and cool. we can still be our thing. And cool. it's not this big, Oh my God. Because when, you know, when Cyril was doing his show in 2012, there was some similarities. I never watched that show on purpose because I never wanted to accidentally steal things. And he wasn't reading my, the comics on purpose. But sometimes things still just naturally, you know, kind of happen. But but that was an early concern, you know, obviously with the Donatello thing, like, like I mentioned, that those two would get confused. But I think now everybody's kind of settled into this thing where fans get it. Fans get that there's different universes. If they can get that there's 16 Spider-Mans and they can get that there's, you know, multiple Batmans, sure. they'll get that there's multiple Turtles. And I, I think just the zeitgeist in general has changed, but specifically to Turtles, I think Ronan went a long way in drawing attention to the turtles, but also showing that, Hey, there's different versions for everybody. Just come in. for, for that guy who wants, uh, you know, the white cop, nobody, we got that too. Got it all. <laughs> uh, this is my last question. Cause I asked this for everybody. Uh, uh, who's your favorite turtle? Is it Mikey? Don't really have, they always <laughs> feel like Kevin said, I'm the stepdaddy now. Sure. Probably. You know what? Visually. I like Leo. I like the two. I like the Katana. I like the sure. swords. Sure. Um, I like the blue. Um, I'm probably most like Mikey as a person. That's probably who I'm probably the most like. Um, most people tell you that. And but it's, it's funny, and I, and I realize it now. I didn't realize it as I was happening, but when I got to issue 100, mm. that first 100 issues was about Splinter. All of that. That was that was Splinter's story. And I realized probably over the years as I've gotten older and grayer and kids and stuff, Splinter is the one I relate to the most. Interesting. I think. Yeah. So I think I think when it comes to that family, Splinter is usually the, the one I the key in on. And that character as I represented him in in the book was like me in a lot of ways. That's okay. you know, but um my favorite one to write is Baxter Stockman. He's my favorite to write. He's, I, I was mentioning Gene Simmons. I always say Baxter Stockman's kind of like, you know, Gene Simmons and, and Donald Trump and Jay-Z and all these guys got together, all these guys that are super confident and, you know, that's, that's who, that's who he is. He just reminds me of like that. He's the, he was the A, what they call it A-type alpha personality sure. on, yeah. on steroids. He's my favorite. I love, I love that character. 
Uh, I'm gonna let you go. I know you have a 330. I do too. Uh, but thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Like I said, I'm, I'm refraining from talking so much about everything else I want to talk about because I love that. Part. I love. No, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And like I said, I think. All right, cool. Yeah, I would love to. I, I appreciate you, you know, waiting on me. Um, oh, my but my time is opening up more now. With we've got people in finally um, hired in that, so I I can be Tom again, not Tom John Bobby anymore. All so right, maybe I'll, I'll hit you up in a month and uh, we'll talk about those first hundred issues because and, and end game and all that because I. There's a shit ton for me to talk about, and I'm trying. I'm pinching myself not to. So, all right, we'll do it. All right, brother. Turtle boys don't cut them no slack. Teenage